At this time, I would like to invite Reverend David Harvey to come forward. He's going to be delivering our morning message. Ezekiah has a nice little gift for you. We call this faith community swag. So you get like a t-shirt and a coffee mug and some other things. And, and a nice pen you can wear. We uh, even have some things for your grandchildren in there. Oh, so. my grandchildren will love it. <laughs> and so, thank you very, very much. Yeah, so, it's great stuff. We thank you. We got to know um, Reverend Harvey a while ago because when we started looking in our discernment process of where God was leading us, one of the places we looked was at the Free Methodist Church, and he's a superintendent who serves in this area, and we welcome you, and we look forward to having you share the morning message with us. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Stan. And um, where's David? I'm going to move his. So good morning. And it is just great to be with you. I am honored to be here and blessed to be here, really, and blessed to be with you and blessed to be able to bring the word of God to you this morning. Um, I was here yesterday and... uh, met with the board. You have a really good board. Do you know that? And uh, they do really good work. They processed this appointment of David really well, and um, uh, it was a really, really good process that they followed and work they did and uh, came to the point where uh, they were in agreement with this uh, appointment of David as the uh, lead pastor. So uh, I want to bring you greetings from the Free Methodist Church. Um, I I've been superintendent of, the, of my conference. It's called Acts 1224 Churches. Um, anybody know what Acts 1224 says? Yeah, it talks about, it says the word of God continued to increase and spread. I was telling the board yesterday that um, when we first adopted that name and we hired somebody to do a logo and uh, they sent the logo back to us and the, and the logo said Acts 1223 Churches. They said, oh, that's not right, because you know what Acts 12.23 says? And the worms ate him, and he died. <laughs> but uh, Acts 12.24 says, and the word of God continued to increase and spread. And so that's our purpose, right, to, to increase and spread the word of God in the world. That's, that's why we exist, and God has been blessing us. Um, we have churches in 13 languages, so this morning, uh, as we're here, there's in, in, in our conference at the Free Methodist Church, there's churches meeting in 13 different languages. Actually, just between us, it's really great for me to be able to just preach and not have to have it translated. So, because I often preach with, with that when it's being translated. So, it's great to be with you. Um, and I want to just, uh, I want to thank Pastor Stan and Pastor David. You have a good pastor, you know that? And, uh, what? Stan's been processing this uh, transition for a while, you know, I, it, it's been very difficult on him, and um, I've spent a lot of time in conversation with him, and, and so I, I appreciate Pastor Stan and his family and Pastor David, and um, I'm thankful to God that he has put them here with you. You know, you, you, you're blessed, and so I, I appreciate that. Um, and happy Father's Day to everybody. I'm, I'm a father. I'm a grandfather. And so uh, we'll say happy, happy Father's Day to everybody here. Um, so I'm going to talk to you this morning about how to solve the greatest problem in the world. Like, it sounds sort of arrogant, right? <laughs> you see that up on the board and say, wow, what's that about? How do we solve the greatest problem in the world? But um, 
so the Bible has some ways about solving the greatest problem in the world, right? That's what we're going to talk about this morning. The other morning, um, my wife and I, we pray together after breakfast, right? By the way, I, I'm going to just give you a side sermon, right? So if you want to have a Christian family, I'm going to tell you the two basic things that have to happen, right? A husband and wife have to pray together every day, right? And the husband and wife should hug each other every morning and every evening. So that's an instruction, right? So pray together every day and hug each other every morning and every evening. And like that's, that is the, the root basis, the, the, the root of being a Christian family and, and having a Christian home. But anyway, my wife and I were praying together the other day. And, um, like, you know, she, my wife prays about two things. She prays about problems in the world, right? And, and she prays for people that are hurting, right? And that's, uh, she prays those kind of things a lot. And so she's praying all these things about all the problems in the world. And I said to her after we prayed, I said, Dawn, her name's Dawn. I said, Dawn, you got to stop giving Satan so much credit in your prayers, right? You spend all this time telling God all the problems in the world, which he already knows. And, like, you shouldn't give Satan all this credit by telling him, like, you're, you're saying all the ways Satan's winning, right? Why don't you just talk about God's power <laughs> instead of how Satan's winning? But, but we know, like, there are serious problems in the world, right? I mean, like, we wouldn't live in a day when right is wrong and wrong is right. right? That's, and that, those are really serious issues. And not only that, everybody's divided, right? There's all this polarization in the world, and we can't even talk to each other. Sorry, my mic fell off. Um, so... Uh, these, these problems are really, like, culture is disintegrating around us, it seems like to me. Now, maybe just because I'm an old guy, right? But, uh, but it seems like culture is just disintegrating around us. Like, things that were stable are no longer stable. And things that everybody accepted as right are no longer accepted as right. And things that everybody accepted as wrong are, are, are no longer wrong. And so, uh, like, what are we going to do? Like, what, what's going to happen next? Well, I just want to go to the Bible this morning and talk about these things. Um, so let me make a, a simple point first, right? This, the, the simple thing that I think we can all agree on is that these problems are not just about behavior. They're about the heart, right? It's about the condition of people's hearts, right? If, if you're in a place where you're, there's a lot of strangers around you, like, what you really want to know about those people is what's the condition of their heart, right? Um, and if their heart's right, then you're safe. If their heart's not right, you, you don't feel safe, right? And so the, the, the core issue that we know is that it's not just bad behavior that is the problem. It's the condition of people's hearts, right? And, and, and our hearts are what believe that wrong things are right things and right things are wrong things. And so the, the issue that we really have to talk about is, is how do we change people's hearts? And, and, and how, does, how, does, how does God want to do this? And, and, and does God have a plan for all of this and for changing people's hearts? So um, I want to just go back to the beginning of Jesus' ministry here and try to understand his plan, right? Because if we could understand Jesus' plan, we would know what to do. So um, I'm going to just start and, and, and give a little... Uh, detailed scenario of how Jesus started this ministry. So Jesus grew up in Nazareth, right? And um, he began preaching in Nazareth. And we know what happened when Jesus began preaching. 
everybody rejected him, right? That's where the, the, the line comes from, prophet is without honor in his own country, right? So Jesus left his hometown of Nazareth and went about 20 miles west to a town called Capernaum. Anybody ever been to Capernaum? If you've been to Holy Land, you've been to Capernaum, right? And uh, so Jesus went about uh, 20 miles, did I say west? It's 20 miles east. Uh, yeah, east to Capernaum, right? And um, uh, he began preaching in Capernaum. So in, in Capernaum, you know, uh, that's, he, he began to do miracles. He healed Peter's mother-in-law, cast out demons, right? He began preaching in the temple, and like the crowds began to come to him and, and just follow him uh, while he was preaching in Capernaum. And so like then one day he, he decided like he, he couldn't just stay in Capernaum, and he went two miles north to a town called Chorazin, and he preached in Chorazin, and the same thing happened. He began to do miracles and, and uh, heal people, and the crowds followed him, and he taught them. And, and then one day, he went like three miles east of, of Capernaum, and he began to preach in a town called Bethsaida. And the same thing happened. And all these people came and were rushing to see Jesus. And then, uh, so Jesus began to go all along the towns on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee. And uh, he went to Gennesaret, which is uh, west of, of uh, Capernaum. And he preached in Gennesaret. It says that Gennesaret, people were running, carrying people on stretchers from other towns just to go to get these people that were need healed into Jesus' presence in, in, in Gennesaret. Then he went a little further west to a town called Magdala, where he met this woman named Mary, who we call Mary Magdalene, but it's Mary of Magdala, right? And, and she became a follower of Jesus when he preached there. And all these little towns and villages Jesus began to preach in, and large numbers of people followed him. So I don't really know why, uh, none of us know why Jesus chose Capernaum to start in, but we do know that he, used, he, he could travel by boat from town to town. All these towns were fishing villages, right, on the, on the north shore of Galilee, and so he, he didn't have to walk from town to town. He could just get in a boat and, and, and go from, from, from town to town, and uh, he began to spread the, the, his, the good news of Jesus in, in all these little towns. So um, that brings me to Matthew 9. So I'm going to read from Matthew 9, uh, verses 35 through 38 here. Um, so Jesus, while he was in Capernaum, he called his disciples. You know, his 12 disciples, and he, he called them. And um, this verse in Matthew 9 that I'm going to read is when Jesus was talking to his disciples. He called his disciples to him, and, and he began to, to explain to them what, what was happening uh, around them. And Jesus, so Jesus, I'm in verse 35, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So we have to... Stop here a minute and, and talk about this. So every once in a while in history, there's a moment which changes the rest of history, right? Um, you know, uh, when the United States dropped a bomb on 
at atomic bomb on Hiroshima. It changed all of history, right? Like now there's these weapons of mass destructive destruction and changes how nations relate to nations and what people are afraid of. And like all of history is different since that moment. And, um, you know, there's other moments. Maybe, maybe the introduction of artificial intelligence is going to change all of history, right? We don't know. It's sort of scary, right? And, um, but there are these moments that changed all of history that came after it. So this interaction between Jesus and his disciples in Matthew 9 changed the rest of history. And I, here's how that happened. So until Matthew 9, until this passage in Matthew 9, Jesus was the only preacher, he did all the teaching and all the preaching and all the healing. And, but when he was going from village to village and town to town, he, he understood he couldn't do it all by himself, right? And so he, he began to talk to his disciples, and he said to his disciples, um, now you have to go. And it's, it's, it's what your work to do, the, to do to spread my word on the face of the earth. It's the first time it ever happened, right? We, like we say that the birthday of the church is Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came, but, but actually this is the beginning of the church when Jesus transferred the responsibility of spreading God's word from himself to other people. And uh, so we have to understand these words in this context. And Jesus went through all their towns and villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the uh, good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. So let me make a couple points about this. Um, so number one, Jesus' strategy to reach the world for Christ is a geographical strategy. Did you know that? It's from town to town to town to town. That's Jesus' strategy to every town and village that he went to. And like, so we, we live in a really individualistic culture, right? And, and um, we think that the gospel only spreads from person to person. But actually, in Jesus' intent was that towns would come to Jesus, you know? That there would be this word of God that spreads through a town and, and large groups of people would follow Jesus. And his, his strategy was, like, you should go from one town to the next town to the next town and tell the good news of Jesus. And um, so we have to think like Jesus, right? That, that the goal is to, is to move from town to town to town. And, and, like, in our culture, we would just say we start new churches, right? And from town to town to town to town, in every community... Um, we, we want to go and, and spread the word of God. So I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, and uh, I, was, I was talking about these verses one day in like a seminar or something. And uh, so I said, like, if you live in a city, like, every block is a community, right? Like Jesus would go from block to block to block if he lived in Brooklyn because uh, every single block is a new community. And one guy that lived in the city raised his hand and said, no, I don't think so. He said, it's every apartment building is a community, right? And so, like, um, so it's where Jesus is sending you to, right? That Jesus sends you to people, to groups of people. He sends his disciples to people, right, and to groups of people. And uh, we should think like Jesus uh, uh, because he has this, this geographical strategy. Second thing I want to make a point of is that the work of Jesus, what did he do? He preached, teach, and heal, right? That's the work of Jesus, to preach, teach, and heal. That's our work, right? Like at this moment when he changed history, he, he said, I'm not going to do it all by myself. You have to do it too. And so Jesus sends people to towns and villages to preach, teach, and heal. That's the plan of the gospel, Right? And uh, 
Jesus, we could make another point, right, that Jesus looked at people and he saw people in a different way, right? He saw people's pain. He saw people hurting. He saw people harassed and without a shepherd, and he couldn't help but do something about it. That's why he called his disciples like he was compelled by, by the condition of people, right? That's what compelled him uh, to go out and do something about it, right? How can you just look at these people that are in, in just pain and hurting and, and, and just walk by them, right, and, and not do anything, uh, Somebody once told me, only, only Pharisees walk by people and never say anything to them, you know? And, uh, like, we are, we are supposed to interact with people, and with people that are, are hurting and broken, and broken. And, like, you know, we have this idea of, about, like, being a preacher. You have to be ordained. It took me 11 years to get ordained, you know? But actually, Jesus sent people out pretty quick, right? He called them, and he just sent them out to do his work. We actually have this organization called uh, Church Development Network. Started it two years ago, and um, it's planted hundreds, maybe thousands of churches in those two years, all, all, all over the years. And we just work off the basis that, so if you're really into denominations, this isn't going to work for you. But, um, but on the basis that when that Jesus calls ordinary people to do his work. And when Jesus calls ordinary people to do his work, they should go do it, right? Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, so we have this really simple way of, of starting churches. Like we say there's five behaviors. Uh, you have to, to, to pray, speak, pray about it, speak about Jesus, gather a group together, teach them to obey Jesus, and send them out to do other work for Jesus, right? These, these five simple steps. And, um, but Jesus... Jesus does call people to go out and preach, teach, and heal, and to see people with the eyes of Jesus, right? And to not walk through life just walking by people that, that, that are hurting and need Jesus, right? And so that's, that's why we exist, right? There's people that need Jesus. They're broken out there, and, and they need Jesus. And Jesus says, go do it. But here's the problem. Oh, here's the greatest problem in the world. The greatest problem in the world is in verse 37. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. It's the greatest problem in the world. You know why the world's crazy? Because there's not enough workers for Jesus in the world. That's why the world's crazy. People need... People need healing. They need healing of their hearts, right? And that, that, they, that, you know the greatest need of any person? person people, people, like, we want to encourage people. We want to comfort them. But people ultimately need more than your encouragement and comfort. You know the greatest need of people? is peace with God. It's the greatest need of every person alive is peace with God. And don't comfort people that need peace with God. Talk to them about peace with God, right? It's not, I'm, I'm not saying don't comfort people, but, but I'm saying, like, comfort is a poor substitute for peace with God, I'm telling you. And um, so, so the, the greatest need of people is peace with God. So here's this, 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 um, this verse. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So do you know that um, in the town of Plymouth and surrounding towns, there are many, many people waiting to hear the gospel. 
The harvest is plentiful, the Bible says. The Bible says in another place, it's ready to be harvested, right? The fields are ready to be harvested. And like we go through life saying, like, well, I'm still, this is my thing again. We go through life saying things like, um, like nobody's interested in being a Christian, right? And people's minds are far from God. But the harvest is plentiful, the Bible says. The fields are ready to be harvested. And people you walk by in the store, many of them are ready to be harvested. How do I know? The Bible says it, right? The Bible says it. It's true. And uh, so the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So um, Jesus has a few solutions here. Let me talk about Jesus' solutions. First one is in verse 38. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. You know, I've been in the church my whole life. My dad was a preacher, and... um, I think this is like the most disobeyed command in Scripture. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. Like, we should, we should spend great amounts of time praying for workers for the towns and villages around us. You know, that's God's plan. This is part of the solution to the greatest problem in the world, is to pray that God would send workers into the towns and villages around us. So in this... Uh, church planning thing we started. It's called Church Development Network. You can find it on churchdevelopment.network. And um, uh, so they teach people to pray every day at 10.02. It's from Luke 10.02. I'm going to go to Luke 10 in just a minute. But uh, um, So they, they, they do these seminars every weekend. They do, there's eight to ten of them going on some weekends um, on, on helping people start churches. But... Um, so they teach people to, 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 to set your alarm on your phone at 10.02 every day and, and just stop and pray for workers at 10.02 every day because Luke 10.2 says the same thing here. We'll get to it in a minute. And um, so I, this pastor I know, he, he went to one of these weekend seminars and he, he set his alarm for 10.02, and, uh, but he set it for Sunday too. And so the next Sunday he's preaching and his alarm goes off on his phone. And he says like, I didn't know what to do. He said, and so finally he says, I just decided to tell him what it was about. And he said, um, told him about Luke 10:2 and like how they were they were gonna they needed to pray for workers at 10:02 every morning. And uh, and he just asked the congregation, so why don't we all set our phones for 10:02 and and we'll just stop and pray at 10:02 every every morning for workers. This church um, would do about 35 baptisms a year. I heard this guy talk a little while ago, and he said. Um, since they started praying at 10.02, they'd done 77 baptisms in six months. He says, I, didn't, I don't know what, there's nothing different in my church. He says, nothing changed except we were all praying for workers, right? That's the only thing that changed in, in, in what we're doing. And so, um, uh, but Jesus says, ask the Lord of the harvest. This is strange to me, like, here's Jesus, right? He's standing with his disciples. They're like, here's Jesus. Disciples are over here. And Jesus says, ask the Lord of the harvest to send forth workers. Like, they say, why? You're right here, right? Well, just, you could just do it. But, like, why did Jesus ask us to, to, to he could do it without us asking, right? <laughs> but um, it's our part of solving the greatest problem in the world, right? Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. Like, we need churches to be serious about praying for workers. Because they're going to go out into what? His harvest field, right? It's his harvest field. 
It's not yours, it's not mine. It's Jesus' harvest field. And so just ask him to send, send out workers into the harvest field. So this is the solution to the greatest problem in the world. Number one is to pray for workers, right? Just begin to ask Jesus, send out workers. Oh God, send out workers into this town and send out workers into this town and send out workers into this town. Why should we pray that? Because Jesus' strategy is a geographical strategy, right? He goes from town to town and village to village. So ask Jesus to send out workers into this har- harvest field. The second part of the solution is that, um, you know the primary sending unit in the, today is the church, right? Jesus' church. He often sends workers through his church. And so um, we need churches to understand that it's their role, it's their reason for being to send out workers into Jesus' harvest field. It's not like we have services. We want to encourage you and we want to, we want to build you up. But we, the reason for building you up is so that you'll go out. Right? That's, that's why we build people up, so that they'll go out. And so uh, we, we want churches that send out people. Like we want, we want to teach people to go out and speak about Jesus. And uh, we, we want just to... So, you know, when I was a boy in the church, we used to give testimonies. Anybody ever go to church where they gave testimonies, right? So, like, you were taught as a youngster to give testimony, right? To just speak about Jesus and talk, have part of your normal conversation. What's Jesus doing in my life? And so that you could tell other people, what's Jesus doing in my life, right? You just have to go out and speak about Jesus. And... Um, so we need churches that send people into the world to speak about Jesus, right? That's, that's part of the solution to solve the, the, the greatest problem in the world. And then, uh, so I'm gonna, let's go to Luke 10. And uh, this is the same passage, except in, in Matthew, Jesus sent out uh, his 12 disciples. In Luke 10, he's sending out these 70 workers that, that he had gathered, right? And... Um, Luke chapter 10, I'm going to just start with the first verse, read a couple verses here. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others, and he sent them out ahead of him to every town and place he was about to go, right? He works through towns and villages, right, and through places. Jesus works in places, and to every town and place he was about to go. He told them the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are, are, are few Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So after you pray, there's one more thing Jesus has to say. Go, I'm sending you, he said. And um, this is the word of God to you and I. Go, I am sending you. This is the solution to the greatest problem in the world, right? We have to change people's hearts. And the way we change people's hearts is by people of Jesus going into the world to spread the word of Jesus and to do his work in towns and villages around them. So like, you don't have to be ordained to speak about Jesus. I can guarantee you that. Right? You can talk to anybody about Jesus without being ordained, right? And um, in whatever town or village you live, there's people who are ready to be harvested. And sometimes... Jesus will put on your heart another town or village. I've seen it happen over and over and over. And Jesus begins to say to you, you know, like, what about this other town here? 
Like there's people over there that need Jesus. Jesus calls people to towns and villages. I, I believe it. I've seen it happen a lot. And, um, you know, you can just, you can go speak to people. You can gather a group. There's a, there's a, I shouldn't even mention this, but there's a great way to gather a group. You could look this up on the internet. It's called um, Discovery Bible Study. It's where you just get together in a group and you read a few verses of scripture and you ask four questions, right? You don't even have to prepare. There's no teacher, right? The, the four questions you ask are, what does this verse teach us about God? What do these verses teach us about people? What is God asking me to stop doing? What is God asking me to start doing? And you just sit and talk about that with, with, with your neighbors and your friends, right? And, and there's this powerful combination of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit working in people's hearts and minds, which transforms people. Like, it's the road to solving the greatest problem in the world. So um, I just want to ask you this morning, maybe Jesus is asking you to be part of the solution to the greatest problem in the world. Maybe Jesus wants to send you to a town or village where he is about to go. I love this line where he is about to go, right? So I would guarantee you that if Jesus sends you to a town or village, he, w- he will have been there before you. Because he's, he, he's going to that town, right? He's preparing people's hearts. There's people ready to hear the good news. There's people who need peace with God in that village. And they're ready to hear, have somebody come and tell them about how to have peace with God. So I want to just pray for you. Can I pray for you? And um, ask Jesus. Like, would you go if he sent you? You know, that's the question. Would you go if he sent you? So let's just bow our heads and um, you can talk to Jesus. So, and just tell him if he sends you, you'll go, you know. Tell you where to go, and you'll go. So, Father, we thank you that Jesus died on the cross, not just for us, but for everybody. We thank you, Lord, that you have the ability to change hearts. Not just change hearts, Lord, but change eternal destiny. You don't want people to go to a Christless eternity. You want, you want people to be at peace with you, both on the earth and in eternity. And Lord, around the, the town of Plymouth, there are lots of places that need to hear the good news of Jesus. So Lord, I'm asking for, for, for the people in this room this morning. One, Lord, I, I ask that they would begin to just pray for workers, Lord. Just pray that the Lord of the harvest would send out workers into his harvest field. Lord, you have thousands of people around here that you want to send out, Lord. They're just, they're there, and, and you want to send them out, Lord. And I pray that you would call them, and they would hear you, Lord, and they would, they would obey you. And Lord, there, there's people that are ready to hear the good news, and you just walk by people on the street, and like a large percentage of those people are ready to hear the good news because the Bible says they're ready to hear the good news, Lord. We pray, Lord, that you would take us and use us. I pray, Lord, that in this moment you would call people. I pray that you would lay on their hearts a specific place, Lord, where you, uh, one of these towns and villages where you want to go. 
And I pray, Lord, that many, many people would come to Jesus through the work of the people of this church and through Faith Community Church. Lord, I pray your blessing. I pray your blessing on this church. I pray your blessing on these people who you love and who you cherish. Lord, we thank you that we're all going to be together in heaven someday, Lord, and we just want to bring more people with us. And we ask in Jesus' name that you would enable that to happen. Amen. God bless you. I'll be praying for you. Thank you.